Welcome to Chasing the Upside, conversations about living the FPL life. Sam McAfee, welcome to Chasing the Upside. How are you? Hi, Ben. Yeah, I'm, I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, doing well. Um, having a good week. Had a good FPL week. That always helps. It but yeah, does. I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Yeah, nice to meet you as well. Thank you. Yeah, it's um, it shouldn't affect how your weekend goes, should it? Uh, a, a little <laughs> no. green or red arrow on a screen, but it, it seems to. Yeah, um, I think I'm in quite like a healthy place with it, where I, I get really buzzing if I have a really good game week, but if I have a shocker, I can I can forget it quite quickly and shrug it off. Um, so yeah, I feel like I'm in a good place with it. Yeah, but there's definitely been times where it probably has affected my mood too much, like all of us. <laughs> Well, we might come to that a bit later, but I do think you've hit a sweet spot there where you enjoy the good times, but you don't get bad or you don't um, you don't get too down about the bad. So maybe there that is the way to enjoy the game, I think. Um, but um, talking about the game, yeah, where did it start for you? What is your FPL origin story? Yeah, good question. Well, my first memory of kind of playing any fantasy football game was like years and years ago when I would have been about 11 years old. And there was like a school one. Um, I've chatted to other people who remember it as well. Um, but it was like a Premier League fantasy game and it was a school competition. And you like competed against other people in your school. And there was like a winner in the country of, uh, I guess, the best, best person overall. And from what I can remember, it was similar to FPL. And I think you had one transfer to make a week and you got points for how well the players did. But I, I remember doing well in my school league, but probably mainly because I was one of the only people who remembered to make transfers, to be honest. And the, the only other thing I remember is that I had Andy Johnson, who played for Crystal Palace at the time, and it was in a season when he scored, like, I think something silly, like 17 or 18 goals. And Palace won something like eight or nine penalties all season. It was, it, it was one of those years where they just won a load of penalties. Um, so that's my first memory of fantasy football. And then my first memory of FPL, well, I can have a quick look at my game week history here. Um, yeah, it wouldn't have been uh, too long ago. So, yeah, the first season I played was a while ago, so 2011. So I've been playing for like over 12 years. But I think of being like engaged and and by engaged, I guess I mean uh, looking at um, content to make decisions for the last six seasons, I would say. Uh, and then in the last three seasons played very differently in terms of began to use analytics and uh, models like FPL review to make decisions. Whereas before that, I don't, I'm not even convinced I'm that good at the game at the moment, but before that, I definitely wasn't any good at the game. Um, but I think I'm improving. Yeah, my, my rank is getting better as more people play in the games. So I think that's a, a good sign that I'm probably improving. Um, yeah, I, I just absolutely love it. And for me, like I, I really like, it's nice to have like a good overall rank when you have one of those um one of those seasons but for me like it's the, the main thing is like beating my mates I have, a, I have a mini league with maybe like 20 uh probably about 25 30 of us in it and every everyone's really engaged and we have a whatsapp group and yeah winning that is like is more important to me than my overall rank and it doesn't change your decision making you do the same thing um but yeah if i could choose to win that but have a lower overall rank I would choose that over finishing second and having a better overall rank actually um, which is probably different to a lot of people in some ways who play the game more seriously yeah because it's mostly all about seemingly in the in the sort mm. of the, the community is all about the the rank isn't it um do you we'll go on to um another question in a second but just something that you said there about your, your mini leagues <clears throat> have you have you made dis- different decisions 
to potentially catch up people than um, if you just were concentrating purely on rank. How how does that affect your uh, your game? Yeah, it, do, it, it definitely affects it. But literally only in the last two or three game weeks, depending on what the gap is. If I'm say say I was forty points behind the person who was top of the mini league. Maybe with three game weeks to go, I would think about captaining someone who I thought was a worse captain in the hope that I get lucky because I know who they're going to captain. Um, if it's closer, I'll just if it's closer than that, I'll just keep making the decisions that I think will get me the most points. But yeah, on the last day of the season, it definitely definitely makes a difference. You've just got to. I think the best way to play the game is to play for the for points and ignore ownership. So I, I would do that until yeah the last two or three game weeks, depending on. Yeah, my mini league goal and, and partly rank goal as well. If I was, you know, decided I was going to be happy with fifty top fifty k, for example, and I was like thirty points off, that might come into my thinking as well. If we may, Sam, if we go on to um, when I think I I started following on Twitter a few a few months ago, I think, um, and mm. it was because of a, a certain tweet that went completely viral, um, <laughs> and uh, I think you know what I'm going to say. Um, but it was about your dad's FPL team. Mm. Um, so I'm going to leave it to you. Can you can you talk to me about your dad's FPL team and where it started and and yeah where where we are now? I suppose. Yeah, um, yeah, that was really mad actually. So it, that would have been, I think, I'm trying to think now. I've kind of lost track of tra- timings in my head because the last couple of months of my life have been a bit of a whirlwind. Mm. But probably like, yeah, a couple of game weeks. Yeah, literally two game weeks into the season or three. Um, yeah, my dad started playing FPL for the first time this season, um, and just his team was like horrendously bad. Like he he doesn't really so he's he's a massive um, he's a big Preston fan. So and we'll watch, yeah, we'll, we'll either watch or listen to Preston on the radio. You know, every every match, um, and you know, so am I and my brother. We're all and our family are all big Preston fans. But my me and my brother have a massive interest in the Premier League as well and watch it every week and. They're all obsessed with it. My dad just doesn't watch any football outside of Preston and then maybe like World Cup finals, like big Scotland matches because he's Scottish. <laughs> he just doesn't really follow it. Um, and so he created, my brother convinced him, I'll just convince him to create a team, which he did, but he didn't do any research. Um, and my brother said to him, well, what was your strategy? And he said, oh, I just decided to go without Harlan because that freed up some money. Um, and then I just picked, I just picked the, players that fit with the budget that was, that was literally the extent of it he just it was almost random um i think he maybe looked at the ownership column so he knew at least players were playing um yeah and he got 20 points in game week one i don't know i don't think game week one was particularly high scoring anyway i can't remember now but yeah 20 he got 20 points in game week one then in game week two he took five hits so used use those 20 points to make five transfers after those five transfers he still owned lukaku uh, and Mitrovic, who had just signed for a Saudi team. So it was like comically bad. I guess that was the thing. So I tweeted about it after three game weeks and did a bit of a running commentary in each game week and to like, because it was amusing. And then, yeah, it got loads of traction. I think it ended up on like 16,000 likes. Loads of like, you know, one of those, it went well beyond just like the FPL community on Twitter. Just probably loads of people who play FPL but aren't, who aren't involved in FPL Twitter, so to speak, just maybe just found it really relatable and, and amusing. So lots of replies saying, I'll keep it up. So which I have done up until now, keep the thread going. So yeah, kept doing that. And then, um, yeah, and then life changed massively about six, I'm trying to, try, trying to think now, this six or seven weeks ago, sadly, my dad went into hospital and this is all completely out of the blue. And then very long story short, after about a week was diagnosed with 
with brain cancer with um yeah four brain tumors and he's just started chemotherapy now um so yeah that completely changed life and everything and i guess at some point during that week while i had some yeah you know that that time i just can't really this it just went so quickly and and it all just feels like a blur but so i don't know when this was but at some point i thought oh i could so dad started playing fpl that that thread went viral why can't I, like why don't i just try and turn that into a positive um and so me and my brother came up with the idea that we'll do something like to raise money for brain tumor research um something using dad's team because we already knew it had a following um so we came up with the idea that i would just give uh, that we'd give five pounds to charity sorry give a pound to charity for every five points is team scores basically so most weeks <laughs> well because he's so bad most weeks it's only a few pounds but yeah generally maybe on average like 10 pounds a week that i give to charity based on how well his team does um but we just thought oh, we'll put the link out there as well and other people just might want to make one-off donations as well and just yeah loads of people donated so i think it's at about 500 pounds already but he's definitely not got that amount of points <laughs> so yeah that's just mainly people being generous and, and just the amount of and when I say like, when I say hundreds, I mean literally hundreds. It probably was over two hundred, like replies to that tweet about dad when he had his diagnosis and messages I got from people. The vast the vast majority of it, which of which I've never even interacted with on Twitter, and loads of them who I know just through Twitter, but I've never met in person. Like the I just saw the kind of the very best of people in terms of the amount of people saying, "Oh, just let me know if you want to talk anytime." People chose to donate as well. Like was really amazing as well so so yeah what i do now is i just do a little update on his team every week uh and then just reshare the link and um yeah it's it's it's, it's an absolutely horrific situation for anyone who's kind of been through it or something similar um yeah we'll, we'll, we'll know how awful it is uh and it's you know yeah completely changed obviously his life but my life and everyone's life as well but it's just I guess a little thing I've tried to do to try and bring um yeah some some a positive out of it and then on top of that as well I just think FPL in general for me during this time in some ways I found myself caring about it less because it just seems so insignificant compared to other things going on in life but and at other times like it's been a real just a nice distraction from um from what's going on as well so I've I've and football as well as FPL um yeah have provided that kind of comfort blanket as well of just being something that's a bit normal and fun to enjoy in a time of um yeah turbulence and sadness um uh, as well yeah and it's the same with the podcast that so i run um as you know because we we're chatting on it before and i run a podcast called um inspected goals with uh luke who some people will know from his man city predictions he's very good at the game seb russell um, again, through Scout, a lot of people know him, very good at the game. And Ben, who's fantastic at the game, Ben Krellin. So the four of us run a podcast and I took a bit of time off doing that. But since I've started doing it again, yeah, it's just been a really nice uh, yeah, distraction and been nice to get it back into the routine of it as well. Um, so yeah, dad's just just started chemo and radiotherapy this week. So um, yeah, so it's, it's felt like quite a big week actually. And then, yeah, we'll, we'll see what the future brings, but yeah we'll, we'll keep praying for him and i'm very fortunate to have uh yeah to have an incredible dad and to have a really close family as well um kind of all supporting each other uh, at this time yeah mm. but no thanks for yeah asking ben and for kind of letting me share that as well 
No, it's 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 it's. Oh, I was going to say it's my pleasure. It's not my pleasure because of the nature. But yeah, I think I think what it does, what it does is well. Secondly, obviously, all all my best to um, your dad. Um, I've I've got a question about your dad actually. Um, but but before that, I think what it does do is considering the horrific thing that your dad and your family is going through what you said a couple of minutes ago really speaks to how important yet not important fpl is like of course it's not important it's a game yet when you're going through a horrible horrible time these kind of things give you a bit of a, a lift don't they um and i and i think that that's that's what these conversations are all about um because it's it's celebrating what what amazing thing we all have um and yes of course it's you know so many things come before it and should come before the game um but that doesn't mean that it's not important it's only a little way in some ways mm. Mm. yeah absolutely I, yeah i can agree with that completely and even and i guess it's the same for football isn't it like football um, I mean, there are loads of things awful about football in general, um, and it brings out the worst in lots of people as well in terms of hooliganism and what, whatever else it might be. I won't go into it uh, in terms of certain ownership and things, but also you see a lot of the best of humanity in football as well in the way sport, not just football, but sport brings people together. Um, but yeah, it's just the same with FPL. As in, there's probably some things that are bad about FPL in terms of impacting people's moods. Uh I guess that's it. But yeah, in general, like it's a really positive thing in terms of it brings people, I've met people through it, it brings people together. And yeah, if you have a healthy relationship with it as well, it just brings a bit more, a little bit of fun into your life as well. Suddenly you're caring about watching Wolves play Burnley on a Monday night. <laughs> yeah, which sometimes, sometimes that's a bad thing, actually. Yeah, we've all been there. Um, yeah. It, so what what does your dad think about everything that's, that's going on? Um, because obviously <laughs> you've kept him up to date i presume um is he amused by it is he bemused by it um yeah what's what's he what's his thoughts yeah he was um yeah so before his diagnosis like when his team just went viral yeah i think he was just really enjoying the attention <laughs> yeah I, th I think there was a part of him really enjoying it um and i, I think i could see it kind of suddenly he was playing like really well, kind of the the ultimate casual manager, really, but kind of wasn't really checking his score on the weekends. And I'd tell him, oh, by the way, this player, in fact, it took until I think the fourth game week for him to get a goal or assist in his team. But I'd have to tell him about that. He wasn't really keeping track. And then as soon as he knew there were people kind of watching the updates on his team, I think he, he's made a lot more sensible transfers recently. Um, when I told him about the idea for, oh, I've, I've just done this thing to try and raise money, um for brain tumor research the first, the first thing he said to me was oh it's a lot easier than running a marathon isn't it <laughs> <laughs> it's true yeah it's a yeah. lot it's a far easier way for me of raising money than if i had to train to run a marathon so yeah that kind of sums him up a little comment like that he's very good at um yeah you have to learn to laugh even through the worst situations and <laughs> that's kind of how he yeah he's he's very much a um a I guess a joker and uh, a person who in general, I, guess, I think through his whole life has probably made jokes <laughs> at times when he's struggling and is able to, to laugh things off. And I've seen him even in the most, like even in the darkest time I've heard him make jokes and we partly use humans, don't we? We use humor to kind of get through situations like this, because sometimes what else can you do? Um, but no, I think, I think in general, he's been, uh, he's been loving it. To be honest, he really needs to wildcard. And that would, if we talk like from a, 
yeah, that is the optimal play would be to an optimal play would have been to wildcard in game week two, to be honest. But he probably doesn't. I, I don't think he knows that that's an option. Yeah, I don't think. Which me, me, me and jo- Josh, my brother, we try to not tell him too much. Like we give him, we we like barely even give him advice on transfers. We just let him make his decisions. We made that decision at the beginning. So we've we've told him a couple of times that these chips exist, but he'll just be like, oh, okay, and forget about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, I think I think he I think he's enjoying it. Yeah, and he's and he, yeah, he said he's very 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 thankful to all the people that have donated as well. Yeah, he was. I've and I've I've sent him and shown him a lot of the messages in in particular in response to that initial tweet, and he was really, yeah, really, um, yeah, uh, encouraged by it. Yeah, yeah, all the people wishing him well, thinking of him, praying for him, etc. Yeah. yeah, I think I think it's I think it's a beautiful a beautiful story. I really do, and obviously mm. all the best um, to you and your family. Um, if there, if there's if there's one thing that sums up British black humour is you talking to your dad and saying talking talking to dad and talking about optimal FPL moves at a time <laughs> like this, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and wild carding, <laughs> it's just amazing. Um, oh, it's just yeah, it's just it really is tremendous. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you, thank you for sharing. That's um, okay. And no problem. what I'll do, of course, in you know the show notes, if you're watching this, if you're listening to this, all um, all the well, firstly, I'll put a a link to where it all started in terms of so people can track um, the whole story because I think that's brilliant. Um, and of course, we'll put the link so people can donate as well. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, and thanks to anyone who's listening who has. Well, even if you've not donated, even if you've messaged me, um, yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, so so switching gears slightly now, I suppose. Um hmm. Inspector Goals, um your your pod is very, as you said at the very start, it's very based on the analytical side. Um hmm. has that always been the case in terms of the way you play the game? Um, or is it um is it sort of fed in slowly? Um, and I suppose the follow-up question to that is, in terms of decision-making, is it purely analytical or do you um, rely on the eye test too? So wherever you want to start with that. Really yeah, good question. question. Yeah, in terms of how I've played, I would say I initially, um, yeah, from, from when I started, um, I guess, taking it seriously or like looking at content, what I, what I used to do is there was, I used to just watch a few YouTube videos. I'm trying to think now. I think the first YouTube video YouTuber that I watched regularly was an account called FPL Tips. Um, it's just like a faceless. Um, he, he just shares his team, shares his reasons, etc. You can just hear his voice. He's got a really soothing, soothing voice, actually. Um, so I just used to watch his videos, see what he does, hear him talk through decisions, sometimes just copy what he does, sometimes like make my own just make my own decisions. Yeah, I mean, I actually remember this this would have been like seven years ago now when I was first getting into it. And I had no time to think about my team at all during preseason. So I literally just watched his video for game week one, just copied his team. <laughs> and he start, and he started the season awfully as well. <laughs> but yeah, I don't recommend that people do that. Um, but yeah, that's how like casual it was initially. I was even was yeah, was I was kind of just would look at who scored recently, essentially, which is not a good way to make decisions, or just look at what the YouTubers were doing. Then I got into more like stats, and I guess that was listening to podcasts like uh, uh, FPL Wire, that's one I still listen to now as well, who got the assist. Um, yeah, a, f- a few others, too many to name probably. And I, that's when I first kind of began to understand the importance of like stats in terms of underlying data. So expect in expected goals and expected assists. Um, 
etc being more important than actual goals and actual exists for predicting future returns and even just understand the importance of like in general taking very few hits um planning chips around double game week so that would have been around about that time five six years ago i probably started to follow ben krellin and would just I mean, it's similar to what I do now, although I think this season's a little bit different. Everyone's strat- chip strategies are, is, is going to be more different. But in previous seasons, there's been a very obvious chip strategy. And Ben would just tell you what to do when you follow that strategy. So I then got to understand that. And like, we'd normally finish between 100 and 200K. So I think maybe finished inside the top 100K a couple of times, but around about 100K to 200K. Uh, and then the last three seasons, so... Um, three seasons ago so 21 20 uh yeah 21 22 season i had an absolutely outrageous season where for the for the majority of the season i was in the top 100 in the world it was just it was stupid yeah it was it was ridiculous just constantly getting lucky um probably was making good decisions as well but just every 50 50 just kept going my way and then i dropped off at the end of the season went from eventually dropped out of the top 100 eventually dropped out of the top 1000 finished 1800 in the end so Still a, really, still a really good finish, but for the majority up until about game week 30 was in the top 100 players. Um, and that season, I don't know if you remember, but there was like, it was because of COVID, there was like a crazy amount of doubles and it was just like overwhelming. I just had no idea when I should have been wildcarding. I saw loads of people in the analytics community were taking like minus 20s, which is like really, I was really surprised by because normally they're really um, unlike, unlikely to take hits. So I messaged the two people that kind of influenced me a lot were a guy called, analytic fpl a guy called simon on twitter and a guy called sigurd on twitter i think he's just fpl sigurd um and yeah so i messaged those two and they were giving me a bit of advice all season because i was doing so well and i needed and um they were kind of two people i kind of ran my decisions by and they said oh you should just use a model and that will help you to work out to know when to play your chips etc so that was when i was first introduced to the idea of using a model so fpl review would be the one that i use um and sim- and then yeah, kept doing well for the rest of that season. Um, and and then was kind of sold on it, I guess, because um, I, I realized a lot of the data I was using, which was mainly underlying data, like expected goals and assists, and also like market odds in terms of betting odds. That basically is, is the data that a model uses. It's just converting that data into like predicted points for players. So I thought, well, rather than just looking at that, I can just go kind of straight to the not straight to the source. I can just let someone do that hard work for me and, and look at the predicted points. So then from next season, last season, um, started to use FPL review really regularly. Um, and last season, I finished 51K, which I think was okay. Um, uh, yeah, and then I was kind of like sold on that way of playing the game being the best way to play the game. But in terms of like now, just decision-making day-to-day, I will always, after a game week, I will think of... Oh, I kind of have, we'll have a think about what decisions I think I need to make for um, the next game week, and I'll have an idea in my head. Then I'll run my team through a model through review. But I guess the thing is about using something like FPL review is you can run it with all sorts of different settings, so you can put higher value on rolling a transfer if you think that's more important. You can put less value on that if you think that you're going to wildcard soon, so it's more important to make immediate transfers. Um, you can run it over six game weeks or like long term over 12. So I'd run it a few times and see generally what things it's um, recommending. And then I would make a decision. And usually it is one of the like top few lines that it recommends, but it's not as simple as just put my team ID in and just do the uh, the top thing. The other thing that's really crucial is you can edit 
the minutes. So the their ex expected minutes often you they're just they're all set to default, but you can edit them yourselves. So if I don't know random player, if uh, Raheem Sterling, for example, say his expected minutes at the moment were uh, seventy six. So on average, you'd expect him to always start, but now and then he might be subbed early. If you felt actually he's playing 90 minutes a lot at the moment, I think that's going to continue. You could boost those manually, and then that's going to change the outcome of the model. So yeah, I use it a lot to make decisions, but still, like for example, on our podcast, we've got the other three guys have all wildcarded already in game week eight. I've not wildcarded yet. Um, Luke and uh, Seb, they sold Haaland, went without. Ben went, kept Salah and Haaland on his wildcard, etc., uh, I've just got Sal I've just got Haaland at the moment, actually. Don't have Salah, but somehow surviving. So even though you kind of use the same tools, I think a common kind of misconception is that analytical players all have the same team because they're using the same tools. But no, you get a lot of uh, differences between teams. And yeah, in terms of the eye test, I would say, um, yeah, I don't, I think I probably, I think there are people who can use the eye test really well in terms of, there are people who there are models will often pick up more slowly on things like tactical changes teams make or a player playing out of position that takes them a while to adapt to that. And I think a lot of people pick up on that before models, and there's an advantage to that definitely. Or things certain things aren't represented in data, like if a player's constantly in a good position, but the ball just doesn't fall to them. They, they could have been there for a tap-in, and that would have been maybe like 0.7 xg, but ultimately it's no xg because the ball didn't actually fall to them and they didn't take a shot. There are things like that you can pick up on for sure, and people do that. But I think in general for myself, I think I'm more, um, I'm watching matches actually probably gives me more bias to be honest <laughs> than it does any good. And I think I find looking at the data really helpful because it's it eliminates bias. And I guess that's how I kind of view a model. I guess I view it as just like running an opinion past a person but a person who probably has no bias. And so I, I guess I use the eye test a little bit, but it's mainly kind of intuition on kind of thinking about minutes, I guess. And yeah, trying to work out what positions players are going to play. So game week one, I owned Havertz, for example. I thought he was, he started as a striker in the community shield. I thought he'd probably continue to play there. He didn't. He played in midfield for the first few games and that was a really bad decision that I made. Um, someone who's better at the eye test or in general has more, tactical knowledge, et cetera, might have predicted that. And a lot of people did, that he was just going to slip into midfield and Nketiah was going to play up top at the beginning of the season. So I, I definitely think there's value in the eye test for sure, and you should incorporate both. Um, but I think the data is more yeah, more important. Yeah. Do you, this might be an impossible question, really. So if it is, apologies. We can just move on. Um, we can just edit this out. But had you have you thought about if you did a season you played a season without relying mm. on models at all how your yeah. rank would well you would have thought you, your rank would um get a lot worse but how you would sort of see the game completely differently and, and mm. how different the experience would be yeah it would be interesting i guess it's how far back you go isn't it because mm. yeah if you just said no models so i could still look at the underlying data I reckon I probably in general would make similar-ish decisions, probably. But there are definitely things that a model picks up on that I've not even considered. And I run it through and I'm like, oh, I hadn't even considered that player. Or I hadn't considered transferring this player out. And then I kind of look at the fixtures and think, oh, yeah, actually, maybe that is a good idea. So I, I think I, I would do worse. 
But I think in general, I'd probably make similar-ish decisions because, again, I'd be looking at the same data that a model is based on. Um, but I think I would probably uh, probably do worse. And I think if I... Um, the, one of the previous FPL winners, I can't remember what year it was now, um, and you can probably find examples of this in both directions, but I remember there was one FPL winner. I can't remember who it was, but they'd moved to Australia for work or something. And um, they've had a whole season where they basically didn't watch any football, but still played FBL and they ended up winning the whole thing. But you could probably find an example of someone who's won the game who doesn't look at any stats and just watches a load of football. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, for myself, I would definitely make better decisions using data and using a model. Um, yeah, because you can just you can get wrapped up in the emotion of sport as well, like hundred um, percent, and you can. A player can miss a couple of big chances and then people don't want to buy them because they're playing badly. But you've got to remind yourself, actually, the fact they're getting the chances is more important and that's more reflected in underlying data. So things like that. And, and that goes for all sport. And a good example of it was actually this weekend. And I, I'm not an expert at boxing at all, but in the Tyson Fury match this weekend, like I scrolled on Twitter and saw loads of people saying like the results an absolute disgrace. Fury like lost the fight, etc. But then I, I kind of read a couple of articles written by boxing experts and most of them generally agreed it was close, but Fury probably won it. Mm. And, and it's that emotion of, you know, people were caught up in the fact that it was nearly a huge underdog story and they convinced yeah. themselves maybe a bit more and swayed one way. And you can probably do that with maybe players who play in a certain way or with a, an unusual result and suddenly get getting caught up in that. That can happen all the time. So it, it leads to more bias, I guess, is what I'm trying to say as well. Mm. Yeah. What um, so since two, I think you said two thousand eleven, you've you've been playing um and yeah. engaged for six or seven years. Um, what what does bring you back year after year? Um, or well, firstly week after week after the highs and lows, but year after year after year. What what yeah? Why is it still? Um, why is FPL still got its grubby little claws in you? It's <laughs> a good way of putting it, actually. Um, I think. Yeah, I, I, I just, to be honest, I just absolutely love it. I love, yeah. uh, I, I think maybe particularly because I don't support a Premier League team, I love like having interest in lots of games for that reason. That's one of the reasons why I think it's kind of a shame actually that the pricing's so low in the game and it's so easy to earn, to own just players from a handful of teams all in the top half of the league. Um, I think it'd be better if you were forced to to own players from, from worse teams, etc. So you could, that was a bit more spread out everywhere. Um, but yeah, it's, it's enjoying more games. It's it's a huge part of it is that kind of, I hate this word, but like banter element of it with like um like friends and wanting to beat them. So there's a competitive element to it. But it's more, it's just like the big, I think it's the big moments. Like when you get, um, they're obviously really gutting moments where you don't own a player that's highly owned and they score a hat trick. But like those big moments where you, you have a low ownership player that you've got before everyone else and then they score a hat trick. Like that's just, that's unbelievable. Or like, uh, defense is really highly owned and their clean sheet is wiped out in the 95th minute and by a player you own or something like that i think it's i think it's moments probably in general and i enjoy i do enjoy like the decision making process i enjoy chatting about it i like trying to like weigh up a, a decision if i think it's a 50 50 um there's like a, i guess there's like a buzz to it that i i enjoy and then there's that community element like you asked me about the podcast earlier like i really enjoy doing the podcast but 
we do it with Seb and Ben now. We started that this season. Last season was our first season. It was just me and Luke. And I just get on really well with Luke. I enjoy chatting to him about the game as well. So the podcast is enjoyable too, because it just feels easy to do. It takes a little bit of prep, some weeks more than others, depending on the game week. But yeah, I, I just yeah really enjoy it. Um, so just before we go on to the final two questions, Sam, um, and you mentioned moments, and that'll be part of the final two. Um, but, and I suppose this sort of ties the whole chat together, really, especially with um, the portion of the conversation we were talking about your dad. But what um, what has FPL taught you about life? What has FPL taught about life? Um, that's such a good question what has FPL taught me about life I guess there are like certain things within FPL in terms of decision making that apply within life uh, I can't think of a specific example now but maybe things like being like there are so many I wouldn't say this is something that FPL has taught me but there are lots of things that are just true throughout life so it's very easy and tempting in FPL to be very reactive to what's happened immediately, for example. Maybe you've had this answer a lot. Nice, um, nice. Whereas generally the best thing to do is to like take a step back and analyze, you know, why did that thing just happen? Does it is it actually going to change what happens in the future, for example? So, you know, not to rage transfer out players. So probably like, I wouldn't I don't know it's necessarily think it's something FPL has taught me, but it's definitely an important thing in life. It's just sometimes just take a step back and look at the bigger picture. Uh, I guess um, I would say, yeah, and similar in in terms of decision making, it's trying to yeah trying to remember why you made that decision in the first place, and if it doesn't pay off initially, you know if it doesn't pay off after one game week, not getting tempted to tempted to sell that player because you bought them for this period. I guess elements of that are true in life in as well in terms of decision making. Um, I'm not sure if I can think of anything more profound than that to be honest. Um, it doesn't need to be. It doesn't. No. Need to be. Yeah, I guess they're, they're they're two things that I guess are important for life that are also important within FPL. Yeah. I probably think of something straight after the podcast that's really that's well, a bit yeah. more interesting than that. But yeah, they're, they're two right. things that come to mind. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we're we're on the on the final two questions that I ask all the guests. Um. And yeah, a couple of minutes ago you were talking about the big moments meaning a lot in FPL. So with that in mind, what is your champagne moment what is your favorite fpl moment of all time um it's, so it was in that obviously it was in that season where i was in the top 100 when i first broke into the top 100 in that game week i can't remember i can't remember which game week it was but i i have the feeling it was around about christmas time there was a a game where and this isn't even like a player getting a huge score is more what happened so my, I, was, I was having a good game week and I'd broken into maybe the top 100 and my live rank was about 89th and in, it was a double game week and you, or was it I don't know United had a good fixture anyway a lot of people owned their defence so loads of people had David De Gea and some people had a double up in defence and goalkeeper um, so yeah loads of people owned those players I didn't have any of them so they were and they were on for a clean sheet so that was killing me um, and also I owned Ivan Tony. And like hardly anyone owned him. I held him a lot that season. And it was it was one of those where I bought him initially and I just never had a reason to transfer him out, really. It was always another thing I needed to fix. Um, and other people, again, didn't really have a good reason to bring him in. But he just kept scoring in bad fixtures. And he played United, and I think it was like 94th minute. It was basically the last kick of the game. Tony wiped out the Man United clean sheet. And I remember just like logging onto the 
the live FPL and my live rank was 25th in the world. <laughs> and yeah, and it's only one goal. Like, it's not like it's a player scoring four goals, but that goal, because of the swing of United using the clean sheet, it took me from like 90th to 25th. And I think because that's the highest rank I've ever been. And it's ridiculous. Um, that was the highest I ever was that season was 25th. I think I have a, the next game we had a live rank, like after the Saturday, for example, of 12th, but that doesn't really count. But yeah, so 20, because that was the highest I've ever been, it would be that. Um, can I give another one? It's quite nice yeah, to go talk for it. through. Go for it. I love it. I love it. Another one. Okay, that season, a lot of people remember game week nine. I don't know if you remember that. So it was, it was, it's kind of like a uh, well-known game week because it was awful for some people and, and brilliant for other people because basically Lukaku was injured for Chelsea and Havertz was going to be playing in the number nine and everyone knew that and Havertz was about to play Norwich, I think, but the worst team in the league. So loads of people in that game week nine transferred in Havertz and captained him against Norwich because in the same week, Salah played Man United at Old Trafford, obviously one of his worst fixtures. And there was just a huge swing. So in that, so Havertz blanked. They won um, 7-0, I think. And every single player on the team returned apart from Havertz. Um, and then that evening, Salah scored 24 points at Old Trafford. So it was, it was great because I was on the right side of that swing. I didn't have Havertz, but I captained Salah. But what summarises just my luck that season is I'd wildcarded the week before that and it was just before Lukaku got injured. So I'd gone for Mason Mount from Chelsea. Otherwise, I'd have got Havertz if I knew that Lukaku was going to be out and he was going to play up front. And Mason Mount scored... Um, at the time, it was the only time he'd ever scored um, a, ha- a brace in his career in the Premier League. And he scored a hat-trick. Yeah. So he scored a hat-trick, took a penalty as well, which was unusual, and got an assist. So he also got 24 points. Yeah, and I also had Reese James and Chilwell, and most people only had one of them. It was just, it was just a ridiculous. I think it was probably my biggest rank rise in a week. That that, that took me from like I don't know a couple of hundred thousand to like a thousandth or something. So that was one. Yeah, and then I've, I've had I've had um, a couple of good ones this season. I had Watkins for that twenty three points he got a couple oh, of game weeks to, ago. Do not talk to me about that. <laughs> Did you sell him just before that? A lot yeah, of people literally did. a week before, yeah. and I and I was. And there was no reason to, because he was ticking along, ticking along. Yeah. And I thought, I just brought Alvarez, in Alvarez. Alvarez, wasn't it? Yeah, Alvarez, I brought in yeah. Alvarez. I, I listened to, um, the, the, you know, the sort of the Twitter bandwagon, I suppose. And then, yeah, he banged, yeah. of course. So there we go. Uh, just, these things are fine margins. Like, there's no, it's just, that's just where variance comes into the game. Like, there was no predicting that what, no one, no one kept Watkins thinking, oh, he's going to get three goals and two assists. It just <laughs> happens. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't believe that. I was, yeah, that was ridiculous. And to be honest, I think at the time, like I probably would have ended up selling him about then as well. That was always my plan, but I had that problem at the beginning with, I had Gabriel and needed to sell him and that just had a knock-on effect and I always had something else to do. Yeah. And so I ended up, ended up holding box. So a lot of that is luck in terms of, I only probably held him because I didn't have another problem like that. There is so much luck in this game. It's crazy. There like is. really, the way you do well is to get lucky. <laughs> you can make good, <laughs> you can make good decisions that make, um, they increase your chance of getting more points, but you can make great decisions and get really unlucky. And there'll be other people that make worse decisions than you that do better than you every year. There'll be people that make better than decisions than you every year that do worse as well. Like it's just that's partly why it's fun as well, though, isn't it? It's those huge swings, yeah, that are absolutely. incredibly unpredictable. But yeah, definitely getting to twenty fifth in the world would definitely be my um my highlight. That was yeah outrageous. I almost certainly won't be anywhere near that ever again. Well, you never know. I am I am very surprised you didn't say you know um, either a brace or a hat trick from Andy Johnson at primary school. <laughs> yeah, that's probably I, good. Yeah, 
can't have it all, can we? Uh, signing off with the best piece of FPL advice you've ever been given. Best piece of FPL advice I've ever been given is to learn how to use expected goals and expected assists to make decisions because they're more predictive of future points than actual goals and actual assists. Simple as that. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> no, it's yeah. good. That's absolutely. Um, and it's actionable as well, isn't it? So good stuff. Yeah. And it's very, yeah, it's, it's just true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's way more important than actually looking at, yeah, actual returns aren't that predictive of how well players will do in the future. Mm. They obviously are in general. Better players tend to return, but yeah, generally the chances players are creating and getting it are more important. And yeah, and thank you for having me on as well. I really appreciate it, Ben. I've really enjoyed, enjoyed chatting to you.